made her want to emulate him, to paint her subjects with the same respect and dignity he had accorded those he had painted. Now Rochelle had. Her paintings were finished and framed and hanging on the walls of Dee's gallery. But would anyone buy them? That she doubted. Still, she had allowed herself to be dragged along by Dee's unbridled enthusiasm as well as by the encouragement and stubborn-minded insistence of her new friend, Lamar Jenkins. As far as Rochelle knew, Lamar was the only other African-American currently living in Bisbee. Everyone else called him Bobo, but Shelley preferred the quiet dignity of his given name. If Deirdre Canfield was Rochelle's booster and cheerleader, Lamar Jenkins was her champion. It was no accident that the picture she turned to now was one of him, grinning amiably and leaning with studied ease against the back gate of his prized bright yellow El Camino. Lamar was a man in his late forties. His well-conditioned, muscle-hardened body may have belied his age, but there was wisdom in the lines that etched his face and a sprinkling of gray peppered his short-cropped hair. Behind him and just overhead hung a wooden sign that said Blue Moon Saloon and Lounge, the brewery gulch watering hole he had recently sold. Of all the portraits hanging in the gallery, that was the only one with the telltale red dot that indicated it was already sold. Lamar, subject and purchaser, hadn't wanted the painting to be exhibited at all, but Dee had insisted. Looking at it, seeing Lamar's engaging grin and the reined-in strength of his powerful forearms caused a lump to grow in Rochelle's throat. She had done something she never should have done, something she had countless times forbidden herself to do. She had allowed him to get too close and, as a result, had become too involved. That kind of involvement was dangerous for both of them now that Lamar Bobo Jenkins was about to run for mayor of Bisbee. The next municipal election was almost a year away, but Rochelle understood the necessity of distancing herself now rather than later. Once Lamar Jenkins officially declared his candidacy, he would be newsworthy. Publicity, where Rochelle's picture accompanying Lamar to some campaign event, might well be beamed all over the country, was something she could ill afford. She had made up her mind. No matter how much it hurt, she would break off the relationship. And the breakup had to come soon. Now, while she could still do it, make it stick. Sighing, she turned away from Lamar's portrait and wandered through the building to view the other pictures hanging on the freshly painted stuccoed walls. In painting the portraits, she recalled those loved ones from the past and remembered why she had loved them. Now knowing she would never see any of them again, it seemed as though she was letting go of them forever at the same time she was letting go of their portraits. Hail and farewell. Finally, it was all too much. Walking through the empty gallery, a half-sob escaped Rochelle's lips, and she knew she was about to lose it. Feeling the first subtle heart-pounding, breath-robbing symptoms of an oncoming panic attack, Rochelle bolted out of Castle Rock Gallery, slamming the door shut behind her. Her closed Camry had been sitting in full afternoon sunlight. Shivering and sweating at the same time, she sank, gasping for breath into the cloth seat and welcomed the comforting warmth that surrounded her. After a few long minutes, the panic attack subsided enough to allow her to start the car and drive away. Leaving old Bisbee behind, she drove southwest out of town toward Naco. 
When her case manager had asked her where she wanted to go, where she would care to settle, Rochelle had chosen the Bisbee area for two reasons. It was known as a place where artists were welcome. It was also surprisingly affordable. After only a day or two of prowling around, she had stumbled on the tiny border community of Naco, seven miles south of Bisbee proper. She had spotted the for sale sign on a crumbling but thick-walled adobe building that had, in previous incarnations, served as a custom house, a whorehouse, and most recently, a nightclub. She had purchased the place and had then remodeled it into part studio, part living quarters. That's where Rochelle headed now, home to Naco. Turning off the short and poorly paved main drag, Rochelle parked in the makeshift carport that had been tacked onto the back of the building. She hurried to the studio's back entrance. Unlocking the deadbolt, she hurried inside and punched in the code on her alarm keypad. Having a security system made her feel safe and allowed her to sleep easier at night. The interior of the building consisted of two rooms. Eating, sleeping, and working in one huge high-ceilinged room suited her simple needs. In the months since she had moved here from Washington State, while waiting for the other shoe to drop, she had buried herself in her work, toiling at her easel almost around the clock, stopping only when exhaustion finally overwhelmed her now chronic insomnia. Eating, too, had taken a backseat to feverish work. Rochelle stripped off her clothes and hurried into the bathroom, where she spent the better part of an hour soaking in a long, narrow tub. She'd climbed out and was wrapping her hair in a turban when she heard a persistent knocking on the front door. She hurried to the door and used the people to check on the identity of her visitor. She was dismayed to find Lamar Jenkins standing outside on the makeshift sidewalk. He looked distinctly unhappy. Sighing, Rochelle unlatched the deadbolt and let him in. We were supposed to have dinner tonight, he reminded her. You left a message on my machine saying that you couldn't come. What happened? Did somebody make you a better offer? Dee and I hung the show today, Rochelle said lamely. I knew I'd be tired and probably not very good company. I would have been happy to help with the hanging, Lamar said. Why didn't you ask me? Rochelle shrugged and didn't answer. They were standing only inches apart. Lamar Jenkins was a tall man, but his eyes and Rochelle's were almost on the same level. Feeling guilty and embarrassed, Rochelle was the first to look away. Can I get you something to drink, she offered, iced tea, a beer. No fair changing the subject, he said, but a beer would be fine. Rochelle walked away from him and disappeared behind the wooden screen that marked the line of demarcation between studio and kitchen. He followed her and took a seat at the old-fashioned Formica-top table she had purchased from a nearby consignment store. She set a bottle of Bud in front of him, then went to the refrigerator and poured herself a glass of iced tea. Without being asked, Lamar opened two packages of sweetener and poured them into her glass. It was exactly that kind of unasked courtesy and thoughtfulness that was driving Rochelle away from the man. It disturbed her to realize that in a few months they had known each other, Lamar Jenkins had learned far too much about her. That had never been part of her game plan. How about a sandwich, she offered. Shaking his head, Lamar reached out and caught her by the wrist and drew her toward him. I'm not hungry, he said, pulling her down into the chair next to his. Talk to me, Shelley. Tell me what's wrong. Nothing, she said. I'm just nervous about the show, I guess. Lamar studied her, his hooded eyes searching her face. It's not about the show, is it? 
he said accusingly. You and I have a good thing going, but now you're pulling away from me, shutting me out. I want to know what's going on and how come. I need some time for myself, she said. Lamar had been holding her hand. Now he released it, and she let it fall limply into her lap. That's bullshit, and you know it, he growled back at her. But even if it's true, you still haven't told me why. Because knowing me is dangerous, Rochelle wanted to say. Because when they come looking for me, they might come looking for you, too. You're too intense, she said instead, and I'm not ready for that. Even as she said the words, her body in absolute betrayal longed for nothing so much as to have Lamar Jenkins take her into his strong, capable arms and hold her tightly against his chest. Afraid she might yield to that temptation, she added quickly, You better go. Why? Don't you trust me? I don't trust myself, she thought. Something like that. Taking a long drink from his beer, Lamar Jenkins showed no sign of leaving. You never talk about the past, he said. Why is that? The past doesn't matter, she said flatly. There's nothing to talk about. She tried to sound cold, as though she didn't care. But like her body, her voice betrayed her. The past mattered far too much. Somebody hurt you, Shelley. Lamar's voice was suddenly kind, concerned. Whoever it was and whatever they did to you, it wasn't me. Let me help fix it. Talk to me. You can't fix it, Rochelle said, shaking her head and fighting back tears. Just go, please. Without another word, Lamar Jenkins carefully put down his beer bottle and stood up. He walked as far as the first wooden screen before he turned back to her. I'll see you tomorrow, he said, at the show.